Welcome back to the G Truth, the one and only good truth, with your host, one and only myself, Giovanni Hanali. We got a lot to cover today. We got Clippers Kawhi, Russell Westbrook, Home Run Derby versus Dunk Contest. We got my power rankings slash standings for this upcoming NBA season. There's going to be some topics that I don't cover, such as the Women's World Cup finally winning earthquakes, whether it's from plate tectonics, tectonic plates, whatever you want to call it. Or from Kawhi's decision to go to the Clippers, we got Roger Federer going to the semifinals in the Wimbledon tournament. We got a lot going on, some stuff I'm not going to cover, but one thing for myself that that I'm going to be trying to do is on YouTube, I'm going to be trying to videotape myself and put that up on YouTube along with this podcast audio. It's not going to be the same format as before with a still picture and me talking over it. It's going to be using me on YouTube and me speaking. That's what it's going to be. So just bear with me. It's my first time really on camera like this. So just bear with me right now. If I look down occasionally like this or if I seem a bit wandering off into space, just bear with me. It'll get better over time. I'm going to be a lot more comfortable with this over time. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. It's going to be a new experience. And that's what life is about new experiences having fun all that stuff so for the first topic to cover today we got the clippers and thunder make a trade plus Kawhi goes to the la clippers so let me just break down this clippers thunder trade really quickly very simple paul george is headed from the thunder over to la in exchange for a ton of picks i'm pretty sure it's like four unprotected first round picks plus a protected first-round pick, and then some swaps in the first round. So a boatload of picks, and then the Thunder also get a young piece in Shea Gilgus uh, Alexander, and not-so-young piece in Danilo Gallinari, who's, you know, had a pretty good season this year. But what this really is, is Paul George and Kawhi Leonard teaming up in LA. And who could have saw this coming? I mean, I know I saw Kawhi Leonard going to the Clippers. I saw that coming, because he's not going to pair it with LeBron and if he was going to sign with the Raptors he would have done it by then he would have done it by then but I did not see the Paul George I did not see the Paul George coming in I just thought that Kawhi would go to the Clippers by himself and just have a good time he's a fun guy he'd have a lot of fun but I did not see Paul George coming in pairing up with Kawhi Leonard it was weird because Kawhi Leonard you had reports of him asking KD first and then Kyrie, and then Jimmy Butler, and then he finally settled for um, Paul George. So I'm not sure if that could add some sort of animosity or some sort of disturbance between the two, but it should be fine. It's a pretty good pairing. But for Kawhi Leonard, by not joining LeBron James, he has rebalanced the league. He's brought new balance. New balance. Kind of cool. Signed with new balance, he brought new balance to the league. He returned the league from a super team dichotomy to more of a duo scheme where we have the players like uh, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson paired up, LeBron James, Anthony Davis paired up. You got uh, on the 76ers, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. You got Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo. 
Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. You, you get my gist. It's becoming more of a duo-centric league now. Shifting from you got to have three stars to, hey, you know, two works. Two works. One or two. That's okay. It works. And it creates a lot more competitive league, especially out in the West, because now we have a lot of teams that are competing a lot more. In the West, in, in the East, it's a, it's a bit tragic. You got like three teams, maybe four, that are really, really good. And then the rest are kind of bottom feeders. And it has a bit of a Brooklyn uh, Brooklyn Nets vibe to it. Of the little bro finally getting the best of the big bro. I know that people out there will still say, the Lakers still run L.A. But the Clippers are making their stand. And in my opinion, they're in a lot better position than the Lakers. The Lakers still have uncertainty about Anthony Davis Resigning, and yes, I know people will, will will say no, no, he he will stay in LA. But what if things don't work out? What if things don't work out as he thought? What if he leaves? It's a real possibility. Probably not likely. Probably won't happen. But it's a possibility. Whereas for the Clippers, you got Kawhi Leonard and you got Paul George locked up for two years. They're staying there. They're not moving. It's LA. They're not moving. They're on the contract. They're not moving. And then on the flip side, we have Paul George, where he left Russell Westbrook. And, and he said it himself, it's not because Westbrook's a bad guy. He just felt it was better for him. And I completely agree with Paul George. Westbrook is not a bad guy. Personally, he, he he's probably a really good guy. I don't know. But I'm, I'm expecting him to be a really, really good guy. A really good guy personally. He's a good player too. Averaged a triple-double for three consecutive seasons. Never been done before. MVP, good defensive player, great passer. He can score the ball. Not really a fantastic shooter, but he, he knows what he's doing most of the time. And Paul George had his best year statistically. With Russell Westbrook, despite all the criticism that Russell Westbrook gets for being a quote-unquote ball hog. Paul George ended up being third in MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. Russell Westbrook had a great year defensively, too. I think that Kawhi probably told Paul George, really, really look at your situation. Really, really look at it. Look at it hard and clear. Because Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double for the whole year. Paul George had his best year by far. MVP considerations, Defensive Player of the Year considerations, and yet it was all for nothing. All for nothing. They got bounced out in the first round yet again, just like last year. And they only won one game. Only won one game against the Portland Trailblazers, who went on to get swept by the Golden State Warriors. And got took to seven games by the young Denver Nuggets. And then I think that also, he looked at it and he's like, I got injured too. I got my shoulder injury too. That probably also led to their loss in the playoffs too because he couldn't hit a dang shot. And I think it comes down to this. He, deep down, he said, Westbrook's a gay guy. He's a great guy. Westbrook is a great guy. But guess what? 
can't deliver a championship. He can't and he won't. He's not that guy. Then also, he looked, he looked at himself. He said, I got injured. And I'm going to continue having these injuries. I'm going to continue having them. And I need someone who, if I have these injuries, can still win without me. For that extra protection. Surrounding his shoulder injuries or any other injury. And he said, Kawhi, you're right. I can't win with Russell Westbrook. He's a great guy, but I can win with you. I can win with you. And, and, if I get injured, I know you got my back. Because you can win on your own. You should have that in Toronto. You can win on your own. Now, overall, for the Clippers, they're looking like the favorites. I mean, their overall team is nice. They got the nice duo of of, uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. But then you add Patrick Beverly to that, and you got a really nice defensive starting squad. It's going to be impossible for teams to really score on them, on, on those guys. They don't need to score in the paint against Zubac and take advantage of Landry Shamit. But even then, those guys are pretty good. They're young, but they're really good. Landry Shamit has that J.J. Redick vibe to him. Vika Zubac from the Lakers, he's pretty good. He's young. He's pretty good. He's got a lot to learn. He's got a lot of potential. Then off the bench, you still got Lou Williams. Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell. Winner of Sixth Man of the Year and third third place in and uh, Sixth Man of the Year as well. Dang, I I really don't know how, how you're gonna stop that team in the playoffs. I really don't because Lou Will or Kawhi Leonard can take the shot in the clutch. They're both they're, they're both really really good, and then Paul George can do what he does. Great, and he's not really known for being that clutch of a player, but if, it, if need be, he can be that third guy. To take the shot. And now for the Thunder. For the Thunder, it's in full rebuild mode. Full reset. Just hit the reset button. And at this point, you heard it. They're looking to trade Russell Westbrook. They're looking to trade him now. And that's really all they can do. I'm going to get more into that on the next topic. Alright, so now we got the question. Where does Russell Westbrook go? Where does Russell Westbrook go? Where where does he get traded to? But let's look at how this all started. Just to get some background on it. So it was mentioned, it was rumored in a trade to the Toronto Raptors that the Raptors would get Paul George. And it was rumored that they would also get Russell Westbrook in exchange for the Thunder getting Pascal Siakam and some picks. It was only rumored. Only rumored. However, it is found to not be true. The Paul George part of it, true. The Siakam part of it, true. But it was not finalized or complete or anywhere near that, really. It was more in the start of the discussion for it. And Russell Westbrook was not mentioned in the talks of it. It was not mentioned. It was not true. A false report, a false rumor came out that it's not true about Russell Westbrook being included in the Raptors and Paul George trade, according to TSN's Josh Lewinberg. However, and, and I completely understand this, it was enough to make Russell Westbrook 
double take and feel, feel a certain way. He felt a certain way about it. Because he should nowhere even be close to trade talks. Because he's part his heart and soul out for that team. For that team of the OKC Thunder. He probably looked at himself and said, Kevin Durant jumped board. I stayed. James Harden jumped board. I stayed. Old Depot left. I stayed. Paul George traded away. I probably was going to stay. Because I've been loyal. But then as soon as he gets mentioned in that trade talks, it's over. Because loyalty needs to be both ways. In order for loyalty to stand, it needs to be both ways. For trust to stand, it needs to be to both ways. And that's what loyalty is. It's trust. It needs to go both ways. And he felt that he couldn't trust him anymore. Whether it was true or not, and clearly it's not true that he was in the trade package to the Raptors, but it's enough to make him be like, ah, I'm not sure about that. And you got to understand it. He feels like he's being lied to. He feels, he feels like he's being lied to. And that is where trust breaks. And that's where this comes from. Where he doesn't want to be there anymore. And so now, it's all about us figuring out what's the best situation for him. What's the best team that he can go to? There's not really one team that he can go to. Because I don't think that many teams really want him. Knowing his track record. Not yet. Yes, he'll put people in the seats. He'll put fans there. But... On a team, he'll probably get you to the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Not in the Western Conference anymore, but in the Eastern Conference, he'll get you to the playoffs. He'll get you. To, he'll get you to the playoffs, but he'll get. You'll lose. You, you you will lose. You won't get far. You won't. You won't go to the conference finals. Or semifinals. You won't get bounced out of the first round. It'll be a miracle if you get to the second round, but you'll be bounced out of the first round. But let's look at it. It's been it's been rumored that he and James Harden could pair up in Houston. First of all, that's not going to happen. There's no way that's going to happen. If it happens, oh my goodness, Thunder, Sam Presti, you you are a good GM. But you gotta figure out how to make trades better. You gotta figure out how to keep your team together. Trade to Houston, no, don't do it. Not to Houston because you're probably you're probably gonna get Chris Paul back, and that's a horrible contract. You don't want that. And then for Houston, I don't know why you would even do that in the first place. Even if you trade Chris Paul away, Russell Westbrook and James Harden together, they have one paired together. They have statistically one of the highest usage rates in the NBA. They have the ball in their hands a lot. They are first and second in, in isolation possessions. First and second. First and second. No one is going to touch the ball on that team. It's going to be absolutely horrible. Now, there are two teams, two teams, that aside from Houston get thrown out there and have, you know, a good amount of credibility. There's the Miami Heat, and there's also the Detroit Pistons. Now, my opinion about both of these teams is it, it makes sense, but I'm not really in love with the idea. With Miami, it's really high risk, little reward. If he goes there, I don't really know what 
the Thunder are going to get back in return. And pairing up Russell Westbrook and Jimmy Butler, yeah, it'll be good because then you'll have strong-willed players with great mental toughness. But that's going to be a lot of headbutting in the uh, in the locker room. Not a lot of winning, I think. It's going to be more of the same of first-round exit. And there's really not a team that he can, you know, bring them to glory with. That that comes to mind. Not off the top of my head, at least. But to the Miami Heat, I really don't see it happening. If it happens, cool. But I'm not really in that realm of, yay. I'm not, I'm not in that realm. And then the other team is the Detroit Pistons, which, eh, eh. It makes sense because when you pair up um, Russell Westbrook and Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond probably gets traded. And if he doesn't, then he becomes another Steven Adams-like character where he's just there to get rebounds on the offensive end, and he's good at it. And maybe he'll stand his ground saying, hey, Russ, stop taking these rebounds away from me. Stop it. And then then you got Blake Griffin there who, who can do his own thing too. And then you'll probably have Reggie Jackson off the bench it could be good it could be very nice but then again it's like yeah a lot of injuries here and there with Blake Griffin Andre Drummond's not really gonna do a whole bunch of stuff with Russell Westbrook there no you need something that's similar to OKC style of play or at least their players you need someone who's similar to a Steven Adams or Ennis Canner from years before you need someone who's similar to um, a Jeremy Grant. Players like that. Similar to an Andre Roberson. Some similar to that. Because there's no way that Russell Westbrook can really change his style of play. At this point of his career, there's not really a chance for him to change it to be more of a, oh, I'm going to pass it, and then that guy's going to pass it. No, that's not the way he plays. The way he plays is, I'm going to pass it. That guy's going to score. I'm going to pass it to him right in the paint where he's two feet away from the basket, and he's going to score. He's not going to pass out of it. None of that stuff. No, he needs to go to the team that has that option. Heat really don't have that. They lost us on white side. Pistons have that, but I don't really like the fit there. One team that really does have it that I really like him going to is the Orlando Magic. They got Aaron Gordon. They got Busevic, who, who they can play that same sort of role with Steven Adams. Again, they're probably not going to get to the second round. But they'll be better. They'll be nicer. But then again, there's not really a clear team that Russell Westbrook can go to. And it'll be a smooth fit. Because that's just not Russell Westbrook. That's not him. That's just not him. But out of all those teams, Houston, Miami, Detroit, Orlando. Orlando's my favorite pick. My favorite fit. And I really hope that he has traded there so that we can see how he does in a new environment in the Eastern Conference. Alright, I'm, I'm going to try to make these last few segments a bit quicker. Just because I don't want to go over time and bore you with it. But I got my power rankings for the NBA right here beside me.
So first I got the LA Clippers. And that's pretty simple. They got a nice defensive uh, starting five with Pat Bev, Zubach, PG, Kawhi, and Landry Shamit. They got a nice bench with Lou Will and Montrezl Harrell. I don't know how you beat that. Second, I got the Milwaukee Bucks. They didn't, they, they didn't really improve from last year. They lost Miritich. They lost Brogdon. But they're still going to be the same team. And I believe that Antetokounmpo got marginally better over the offseason. Third, I have the Denver Nuggets. And for the Denver Nuggets, it's a bit weird. They didn't really improve either, but they still got a nice bench. They got young players that developed over the year and got better. They didn't add anyone crazy. I mean, they got Jeremy Grant, but they still got Jokic. They got Jamal Murray. They got Gary Harris. They got uh, Wilson Chandler, I believe, still there. They got some nice players. So I have them number three. Number four, I have the Lakers. What more can be said? They got LeBron, AD, DeMarcus Cousins. They got Rondo, Avery Black. Oh, I can't say that. Avery Bradley, Jared Dudley. They got some nice players. Their bench is a bit shaky. I don't know how they're going to fit shooters around LeBron because they don't really have any shooters, really. I mean, they got Caldwell Pope back, but he's not really that knockdown shooter, shooter that you want. And they're, they're going to have troubles fitting in early, but that's the way I see them. Fourth in, power, in my power rankings. Next, I have the Utah Jazz at number five. They got they had a tremendous offseason, but they're not better than the teams that I mentioned before. The 76ers also had a great offseason, but they lost a lot of that mental toughness, that grit with Jimmy Butler. They got some, they got some of it back with Al Horford, Josh Richardson. They got they still got a nice team, but I don't think it's gonna be as great as last year. It's, it's gonna be a bit more competitive in the East though, because a lot of the teams in the East kind of fell off. At seven, I have the Golden State Warriors. Now they are really good. Steph's still there. He could have an MVP-like season. Adding D'Angelo Russell could be a bit difficult to implement early on in the season, but I think it'll even out, and they will do well. They will. Is they're, they're, they're going to struggle early on, but they'll have a nice strong finish. At 8, I have the Indiana Pacers. I know, and I have not mentioned the Blazers or Rockets yet. The Indiana Pacers. Now, this all banks on Victor Oladipo coming back strong. If he doesn't come back as similar to how he did before Oladipo, then they're, they're going to drop off pretty, pretty bad. But I believe he comes back stronger than ever because he is Victor Oladipo and he has that mindset of, I will be great. I will be great no matter what. No one can stop me. He was playing amazing last season. And the Pacers are going are gonna to continue having a great defense. And that's going to carry them to a very good standing in the East as well as the 8th spot in my power rankings. At 9 and 10, I have the Blazers and the Rockets. Now, I struggled in putting them in that order, but I think that the Blazers just have a bit more con- uh, a bit more in control chemistry-wise than the Rockets, and that's simply the reason why I have them over the Rockets in my power rankings. There's not really a grander-scale reason of why I have them like that. It's just chemistry at this point. Just chemistry. Now, for my standings, Hopefully, for, for both the power rankings and the standings, I put up a visual 
on YouTube. Sorry if you're listening to this on a podcast because you can't really see a visual of it. But if you're watching this on YouTube, hopefully I put up a visual of it. I really hope I did. For the West, for my standings, I got Nuggets 1, Jazz 2nd, Clippers 3rd, 4th Rockets, 5th Lakers, 6th Blazers, 7th Warriors, 8th the Spurs. Now you might notice, this is awfully not similar to your power rankings. And yes, it is not. Because I think that these teams have different things going on in their mind. The Nuggets, they're, they're like, hey, we got second seed last year. It would have been great if we had the first seed. They're a young team. They, they need that. They need the first seed. Same with the Jazz. They're going to fight for it. They're going to fight for the first seed because they're a young team too. Or at least Donovan Mitchell is young, and he needs it. They got a great home, co- home court advantage, and they need that home court as much as possible. Now for the Clippers, I think that they're more like, eh, we got Kawhi. We don't really need it. We're going to be focusing more on resting our players. The Rockets at four, I believe they're going to be like, Similar to last season, they're, they're going to come off a, a rocky start and then get their groove more as the season progresses and end up at four, just like this past year. And then at five, I got the Lakers. And this one, I think, is more of LeBron's used to not being the first seed as always. But he, know, he knows what to do in the playoffs. He knows how to rest his body. He's going to have... Anthony Davis rests throughout the season as well. He's going to have DeMarcus Cousins rest throughout the season as well because that's just the way that you prepare yourself for the season. At six, I have the Blazers. Uh, it's just, it just seems like they're right there. I, I wouldn't put the Warriors right there just because I think the Warriors are, are going to be at seven and they're going to have a bit more struggle, like I said, earlier in the season and get their groove as Clay comes back and then probably trade D'Angelo Russell at the midway point at the trade deadline and get some nice pieces back for him. But it's going to be a lot of chemistry stuff. And then at 8, I have the Spurs. Now, I tweeted out before when the Paul George trade went down that the Thunder are not going to be a playoff team. And looks like I am right. Because I got the Spurs there. The Spurs, I just don't believe that they're going to miss the playoffs. They're, they're going to make it narrowly. The only other team I can put there, aside from the Spurs, is maybe the Kings. Maybe the Kings. But I still think the Spurs got it. They got DeJounte Murray coming back. They got uh, White still there. They got DeRozan. They got Aldridge. They still got a nice group of players. They got Rudy Gay there still. They got a nice group of players, and it'll work out for them. Now, on the East, I got the Milwaukee Bucks at the front. They're going to be the same old Milwaukee bus from last year. They got a bit weaker, but they're still going to be at the top of their game. Then I have at second, the 76ers. It's not for a lack of trying, but more of just they're going to be a good team. They're, they're going to have some problems chemistry-wise, making everything fit. There's probably going to be some rumor out or report out of some sort of disgruntled player. But that's just the 76ers. They'll end up at second. At third, I have the Indiana Pacers. Again, it's just me banking on the fact that Victor Oladipo will come back stronger than ever. At four, I have the Celtics. Yes, they'll end up at four, just like last year, but they're going to be a better fourth seed. They're not going to be the same fourth seed as last year, where it was just like a lot of drama, a lot of turmoil, and then 
bam, out of fourth seed, not really performing up to expectations. They got Kemba Walker. Yes, there's going to be some chemistry issues early on, mainly because it's going to be him figuring out how to adapt and change his poor habits that he developed while he was with Charlotte, such as having being, having to be the only guy that can score there. And he's going to have those bad habits going into the Celtics. But he'll, he'll lose them eventually, and they'll get their roll on later in the season, unlike last season where they just fell apart last season at the end of it. At five, I have the Brooklyn Nets. I have the Brooklyn Nets there. Yes, I said Kyrie will will make the playoffs, and I think he'll make the playoffs right here. They really don't have anyone else around Kyrie. Yes, they have the spent. Yes, they have Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, but I think there's still going to be some trouble there with Kyrie Irving, some of the uh, drama that's going to carry over from the Celtics over to the Nets, and it should make for a good first round series, as I'm predicting between the Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. It should be very interesting. And number six, I have the Toronto Raptors. They're not going anywhere. They still got a nice squad. They got Mark Gasol there. They got Kyle Lowry. They got Serge Ibaka. This, uh, Fred Van Vliet. They still got a nice defensive core, and that'll help them get into the playoffs. Then I have at seven, the Orlando Magic. Right back where they were last season. They'll be right back in the playoffs. They still got a nice core. And if Russell Westbrook gets there, I have them maybe going up one or two seeds. And then I have the Miami Heat at number eight. It should be interesting. I think that by just pure grit and pure determination, um, Jimmy Butler will 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 get them there. So that's my seeding, and that is my power ranking as as well. They're very different. A lot of the power rankings, a lot more of who's the best team. NBA standing NBA standings is more of what do these teams need at that moment. So those are my predictions and my power rankings as well. I know that the home run derby got a lot of attention, a lot of hype for their their uh, derby competition a couple days ago. You got, uh, I believe, I believe his name is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Hopefully, I got that right. Hitting a record 91 home runs during the derby and still losing. A lot of drama building up between this match between him and Jock Peterson. And then ultimately, I believe his name is Alonzo winning it all. A lot of drama. And it brought into attention uh, an interesting debate of what's better, the home run derby or the NBA dunk contest. Now, for me, I think it's pretty simple. They're both great entertainment. But if we're putting it head-to-head, the NBA dunk contest wins over the home run derby. Now, let me, let me put it like this. People are calling this home run derby this year, 2019, the greatest home run derby ever. And if that's the case, it's no competition. The dunk contest is way better. Because if we're comparing it at its best, let, let's take the 2019 home run derby. It had its highest peak of competition at the semifinal round, the second round, with Jock Peterson and Vlad Guerrero Jr. In the second round. The third round, the, the finale, it was intense, it was drama-filled, but it wasn't like the build-up, because that second round, we had the overtime, we had the swing-off, 
two times like that. The first ever swing off, I believe, something like that. But if we're really comparing it at its best, the dunk contest completely blows the home run derby out of the water. You look at back at the 1988 dunk contest, Dominique Wilkins against Michael Jordan. That brought headlines just from the start. Yes, the 2019 Home Run Derby had headlines from the start with, with, Vlad Guerrero, with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But it did not have that same appeal as the 1988 dunk contest where you had Michael Jordan, the GOAT, against Dominic Wilkins, one of the greatest dunkers that this game has ever seen. You had the high-flying free-throw line dunk there, the iconic Jordan pullback and then dunk right there from the free-throw line. Iconic. 2,000 dunk contest. Vince Carter. Vince Carter doing those incre incredible spin dunks and finally going, it's over. It's over. 2016 dunk contest. Oh my goodness. One of the greatest dunk contests ever. Maybe the best, aside from the uh, 1988 or 2000. Between two players, Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon, look it up. Look it up and tell me that that is not better than the 2019 Home Run Derby. We got Aaron Gordon going full sky, man. Just putting it through his legs, catching it off the Orlando Magic mascot, and then, ooh, dunking it. I'm, I'm telling you, that... I, I I watched the highlights from from the home run derby. I, I watched the highlights from the home run derby, and then I watched the highlights of the 2016 dunk contest. I, I I was excited about about the home run derby. I was excited about it. It was pretty good. It was entertaining. I enjoyed myself watching it. But then as soon as I turned on that dunk contest from 2016, Zach Levine against Aaron Gordon. No competition. No competition. At its best, the dunk contest is by far way better than the home run derby. A lot more exciting, a lot more awe-inspiring, a lot more impressive, incredible, all that stuff. At its best, though. At its worst. It's leaning over to the home run derby. At its worst, home run derby has a higher floor than, than, uh, than, than a dunk contest. Because when the dunk contest is at its worst, we have boring dunks, we have unoriginal dunks, we have a whole bunch of missed dunks, like this past year, just a lot of missed dunks. And at that point, it becomes like, eh, not really fun, not really interesting, not a lot of drama or anticipation, just a lot of 30s and 40s. Whereas for the Home Run Derby, at its worst, there will always be drama there, because you could have people batting like five home runs, but they'll still be like, oh, can you get that one more? Can you get that one more? There'll always be that. So, yes, I guess in that sense, Home Run Derby, at an average, is better than the dunk contest. But if you're comparing the best moments, it's like the Home Run Derby goes like this, and the dunk contest goes out of the camera shot. All the way up here. And, and it doesn't have to be a, a, a duel like it has to be in the home run derby it can be like i said 2000 dunk contest just one guy vince carter even the, the uh, 2015 dunk contest everyone was missing dunks 
but Zach Levine was putting on a show. It just has to be one guy sometimes. And that's why the dunk contest, in my eyes, is better than the home run derby. Thank you for listening to the G-Truth, the one and only good truth. It is your host, Giovanni Canales, myself. If you're listening to this on YouTube, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe button, and maybe that notification button as well so that you can keep up with whatever content I'm putting out related to the NBA or NFL. And if you're listening and if you're listening to this on the podcasting app of your choice, be sure to uh, subscribe or keep up with the content that I am putting out as well. And also, finally, make sure that you share this podcast, whether on YouTube or on the podcasting app of your choice, with friends and family so that we can help this channel grow and help me make better content as well.